right, everybody. Welcome, man. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in our series that we've been talking about. We've been looking through uh, the first two books of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, the only two books in the Bible to the Corinthian church, by the way, um, but First and Second Corinthians. And we've just kind of been walking through these books, and we're looking at, um, we're in this series called Becoming Us. And so what was happening is the Corinthian church, the city of Corinth, it was like a really metropolitan city. It had all these different religious beliefs. There was sexual immorality in the city. Uh, There was all these divisions and things like that that were happening. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds like a country that we may live in, a culture that we may live in. You guys are like, okay, yeah, that sounds right, right? So what was happening is... Paul, the writer who wrote these two books, he wrote these two letters to this church, he was trying to get some things just cleaned up and established so as this church grew, it would be really, really healthy. And one of the main things that God put in my heart and Liz's heart is we planted this church, and we're 11 months old like this weekend, guys. This is amazing, all right? So we're almost a year old doing good, right? So we, uh, we as, as Paul was establishing this church, he's like, hey, there's some things that we need to talk about. There's some things that are happening. Thankfully, a lot of those things that are happening in the Corinthian church aren't happening with us here, but we need to know them and we need to get them established. So as we, uh, as we establish our church, as we get, you know, we grow together, uh, we have to address these things so that uh, we are healthy and that we, we can grow in the way that God wants us to do. So a couple of things that Paul was addressing is he, he was addressing the divisions that were happening in the church. You know, I follow this guy. I follow that guy. I'm a part of this denomination. I'm part of that denomination. Here's my political party. Here's my political party. All those things. He's like, guys, identify first and foremost as followers of Jesus, identify as followers of Jesus. If you can do that, you'll be on good footing. And then he addressed things like just division and spiritual authority. He addressed sexual purity. And we've all talked through these in messages, uh, gender issues, uh, allowing freedoms to create divisions of me doing whatever I want to do. We, we've, we talked through this in the series. You can go back and listen to them. But really his whole thing was, guys, don't take your eye off the ball. Don't take your eye off the ball. The goal, the target that we should be focusing on is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. It doesn't matter what the fad is in a church. It doesn't matter what's the most popular thing or what's the most popular song or what's the most popular way of of doing ministry. It's always going to be about Jesus. And so in our text today, we're going to see how this actually plays out in the life of the church. This actually works its way out in the life of the church. But before we get into that, who in here would admit that you would, you'd say you're a forgetful person? Anybody? Anybody here that's a forgetful person? Yeah? Like, who would, like, uh, you would forget your head if it wasn't attached to your neck? Like, if that, is that you? Like, you're, you're really that bad. No joke, guys. A couple weeks ago, um, so I, 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 I work full time aside from, from leading our church and, and next door to where I work is my daughter's school. And so I take her to school every week. I, I, I load her up, do her little hair. I'm good at doing hair, guys. I've had four girls. So I do hair right in the morning. I take her to school and then we walk in together. So we walk into the, the thing together. And so I pull up in my truck into the parking lot at my work and I'm getting my daughter out. And there's a proximity card that I keep in the back of my phone that lets me into the building. You guys have seen those, right? So there, that lets, so I need my phone because I figure I'll, I'll leave a lanyard somewhere. I'll leave, some, I'll leave a card on my desk, but I will never leave my phone, right? You guys are like that. I'll never leave my phone. So I'm like, okay, I need my phone to get in the building. And so I get the, I get the kid out. 
And um, I, I got her backpack, I got her water bottle, got her jacket, because if I don't bring the jacket, I get fussed at. So I bring the jacket, right? I've got all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I have this panic moment of like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Like, I've lost my phone. And so I literally, like, I'm, I'm in the back seat, close the back seat door, open the front seat door. Like, I'm looking all through, like, the, 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 the center console, if it fell through the center console, if it's still, like, on my phone mount. Like, I'm looking everywhere for it. And all of a sudden, I look down, and it was in my hand the entire time. It was in my hand the whole time. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever walked into a room and completely forgotten the reason why you walked in there? Right? We're going to have some counseling today after service, right? Like you just get forgetful. You forget why we're doing things or what's happening or, or all this stuff. And, and we, just, we just get forgetful and that's just what, what happens. And, and it can be inconvenient, but it can also be something that we deeply desire. Forgetfulness can be something that we deeply desire. Have you ever said something or done something really stupid? You stuck your foot in your mouth and you're like, man, I wish I could forget that. I wish, I wish that never happened. I wish the person that I said that to could forget that, right? And so forgetfulness can be something that's really inconvenient, but it can also be something that is very convenient. In situations like that, we would love to be able to forget. How many of you guys have ever, ever heard the old saying, forgive and forget? Forgive and forget. But is that a biblical saying? And I've gone back and forth over this through the years as I've studied this. And, and you know, I, I thought, well, is it? Is it not? Is it? Is it not? But, but really, we, we can look at the Bible and we can see what the Bible teaches about God forgetting our sin. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 and 34, it says this, For this covenant... That I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write, on their, write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall they teach um, one, uh, shall one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least to the, of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin. No more. Hebrews 8 verse 12 says this, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. But does that mean, if God is going to forget our sin, does that mean that God, the omniscient God, the one who's all-knowing, the one who knows everything that happened, the, no, the one who knows how many hairs you have on your head, the Bible says, does this mean that when it comes to our sin, God suddenly becomes absent-minded? Is that what that means? I, I don't think so. I don't think it means that. I think it, it means something different. Is it like, does he become with our sin like us forgetting our keys or the, us forgetting our phone was our phone in the hand? Obviously, it doesn't mean that because God cannot be all-knowing and forgetful at the same time. Therefore, when God forgets our sin, it's a conscious choice to redirect that knowledge elsewhere. When you make a mistake, when you fail, when you sin, when you lie, when you cheat, when you steal, when you do all these things, God still, like, it's still in your account. We still messed up, but God chooses to redirect that knowledge 
elsewhere. Psalms 103 verse 11 says this, For as high as the heavens are above, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. They are removed from you. In in 1 John chapter 2 verse 12, it says this, I am writing you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Forgiven here in this passage is a Greek word. And the Greek word is a theme. You see it on the screens. You can write it down. And you can say, I learned Greek today in church. All right. This Greek word means to send away. So the forgiveness that he's talking about is God has taken your sin and he has sent it away from you. Therefore, in the chart of accounts in your life, the debits and the credits, you know, hopefully you guys are looking at your bank statements and you see that, oh, they gave me money here. That's cool. Oh, I lost money here. That's not cool, right? So in the chart of accounts in our life, all of our obedience and all of our mistakes, all of our pluses, all of our minus, the forgiveness of God means that our mistakes are no longer counted against us. Our mistakes, our sin is no longer counted against us. They were removed, but there wasn't just an empty space of forgetfulness left in its place. Again, God is not absent-minded. That chart of accounts has to be reconciled. God made a conscious choice to redirect that knowledge elsewhere, but where did he do it? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, From now on, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, the old way of life, your past mistakes, the way all of your sin, all your past. We don't, we don't think about it. We don't regard that to you anymore. Even though we were, once regarded, we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. All of this is from God. For whom, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled to the world, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of recon- uh, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our mistake, or for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God is not absent-minded. He chooses to redirect the knowledge of our sin to the work of Jesus on the cross. When God looks at you, when God looks at your life, when God looks at your sin, when God looks at your mistakes, when God looks at your failures, when it's all said and done, he will no longer count your sins against you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He has separated your sin. He has sent your sin away from you as far as the east is from the west. And so along with that is not just the act of your sin, it's the guilt and the shame and all those things that are attached to it as well. I wish they would just forget I wish they, would, they, they, they just wouldn't remember what I said or what I did. God does not count it against you anymore. He counts it under the work of Jesus on the cross. However, you and I can be absent-minded when it comes to what God has done in our lives. You and I can be absent-minded when it comes to what God has done in our lives. How many of you guys are like healthy right now? You're reasonably healthy, right? reasonably healthy, right? Reasonably healthy. I'm doing, doing pretty good, right? 
How many of you guys, um, you, you, you were able, um, let, let's say, you don't have to raise your hands for this one, but just, just think, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You were able to pay, pay your bills this week, right? You have a roof over your head. You were able to eat this week, right? How many of you guys complained this week? You had something to fuss about. You had something to whatever. And so I think for a lot of times for us, we forget what God is doing. We forget what God has done. We forget the blessings that he has. We forget sometimes that even the work of Jesus on the cross covers our sin. And so many of us, we continue, even after we get saved, even after we come to Christ, we continue with guilt and shame and regret and all this stuff that's attached to our past because we forget that Jesus has done the work to set us free. And so in this, Jesus gave us a practice or, or something to do to help us remember. He gave us the practice of communion. And this is where we're getting into our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 today. Paul is giving them instructions on communion. He says in 1 Corinthians um, 11 verse 26, for as often as you eat the bread or drink the cup, the bread representing Jesus' body that was broken for us, the cup that represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for us, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You do it in remembrance. You do it to remember what Jesus did for you. Where the bread, his body was broken for us, the cup was his blood that was poured out for us. But even in the case of the communion, This Corinthian church that we're studying, their selfishness was causing them to lose the significance of it. So yes, we could even take communion selfishly. Let's read uh, in uh, verse uh, 27 through 32. Let's do that. Whoever therefore eats the, the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, what's an unworthy manner, will be guilty, guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let, each, let a person examine himself then, so eat uh, the bread of the Lord and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. What was the Corinthian church doing? If you read in, in, in this chapter in verses 17 through 22, a lot of them were, uh, they were, they were treating this selfishly. So they would come and they, I mean, you can imagine back then they didn't have like these fancy cups, uh, industrially produced um, communion cups, right? So they had, you know, just baskets of bread. They had, uh, they had uh, cups of, of, of wine and then they, they could just do it. And so what the church was doing is they would just have people that would just go up and they would just eat all the bread. Like, I'm going to eat all the bread, you know, and I'm I'm not going to leave any for anyone else. I'm going to drink all the cup to the point where he talks about how some of them were getting drunk off the communion stuff, right? They were getting drunk off of that. And so what he's saying is, guys, you can take this selfishly, but don't, it's not there for you to take selfishly. He reminds us that this is here for us to remember what Jesus did in our lives. Taking communion lightly is taking the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. 
Taking communion lightly is taking the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. So the challenge to us is not just to participate in communion, but to deeply and truly reflect on our actions, our attitudes, acknowledging and confessing. I taught you guys a couple weeks ago what confessing is. Confessing is I've got to say the same thing about my sin that God does. I can't make excuses for it. I can't say, well, um, you know, it's okay. It's okay for me to lie at work because my boss is not a nice guy. It's okay for me to cheat on my taxes because the government takes too much anyway. It's okay for me to do whatever. And so you get all these people that say these things and we make excuses for our sin. We try to make allowances for it, but really confessing when we confess we're healed, we're set free, we're forgiven, that's what the Bible teaches. Confessing is I've got to say the same thing about my sin that God does. I've got to call it what it is. I've got to call it like it is. And, 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 and so when we approach communion, we confess our sins so that we can fully participate in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God knew that we were forgetful. As God was bringing out the children of Israel out of, out of slavery in Egypt, he warned them in Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Uh, he says this, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, And you forget the Lord your God who bought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Jesus explains it this way in Matthew chapter 13. He gives us this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some wheat that fell along the path and some birds came and devoured them. And he other seeds fell on rocky ground when they were not and, and when they did not have good soil, they, uh, they immediately sprang up. But since there was no depth, but when the sun rose, it scorched. They were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. The other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus explains this in verse 19. He says this, For anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This was sown along the path. But as for the, what was sown on the rocky ground, anyone who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but yet has no root in himself, he may endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the world, he immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but cares, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what is sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. Here's the three things that Jesus basically says in this passage about receiving what God has done for you. Receiving the word, receiving grace, receiving the gospel. Here's the three things that Jesus says, that Jesus teaches us of how we can lose, how we can forget, how we can detach from what God is doing in our lives. The first thing is this, a lack of understanding. This is how we forget. We, uh, We don't have understanding. Don't, don't think of this as intellectual, like, like you, you're not smart enough to get it. That's not what that means. This is an attitude of the heart, understanding the weight of what we're dealing with. 
And this was the issue with the Corinthian church. When they were taking communion, they didn't understand the weight of what they were dealing with. It was just another thing. It was just a box to check. This was just, well, um, I, 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 um, I prayed for my meal today. Uh, I, did, I took communion at church today. I did this. I checked all the boxes. That's not what God is asking you to do. That's not what will get you in good graces so you'll finally get favor from him. No, God's asking you to understand the weight of what you're dealing with. This is eternal. This is your eternity. This is life, death. This is the forgiveness of sin. There's a huge weight. And so we need to approach the things of God with a heart of understanding. Understand the weight, the, the weight of it. The second thing that Jesus says that, that, that can cause us to forget is a lack of depth. We receive it. We receive it, but there's no root. We, 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 we receive it, but there's no root. You cannot have spiritual depth without connectivity with other believers. We, I've, I've used this analogy before. In, in Alabama, where I'm from, they have these huge fields of like pecan trees. And when a hurricane comes through, because the pecan trees, uh, the roots aren't very deep and they're not very long, what will happen is as soon as a hurricane comes through, the whole field's wiped out. You see trees and trees and trees on the ground. But then you'll see like, like pine forests or you'll see oak trees, right? And the oak trees are there because they have a long, deep roots and they intertwine with other roots and stuff like that. And so the system is there. And so when the wind comes, when the rain comes, when the storm comes, those roots are intertwined. And so for you and I, for so many people in our culture, we don't really try to really build relationships with other believers. We don't really try to, to have depth and, and deep relationships with other people. And when the storms of life come, and we need them, we haven't done the work to get those relationships in our lives. And so when, when this can cause us to forget what God is doing, so we don't understand what God is doing, we don't have depth in relationships, and so this can hurt us when we're talking about the things of God. The third thing that Jesus says, so a lack of understanding, lack of depth, the third thing is a lack of focus. A lack of focus. Jesus says that two things cause us the cares of this world, the cares of this world. If we're honest, uh, some of us, we might be running too fast. We might be running too hard. We might have, uh, we, might, we might just, our lives are so busy. The demands are so much on us. And so the cares of this world can rob you of what God is doing in your life. Some of us are like, I will allot God one hour a week to reveal himself. And if he does not reveal himself in that one hour, Therefore, the rest of my week is the other 126 hours or whatever the, the math is. You can't do that. We can't be so tied up with the things of the world that we lose what God is doing in our everyday life. How much stronger would our relationship be if we gave him just a little more? I'm talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about heart. I'm talking about attention. How much strong, I mean, how strong would your relationship be with your wife if I was like, okay, I'm going to give you one hour this week, and it better be a good one, <laughs> right? Wives, how would you feel about that? Not so good, right? Can't do that. But for so many of us, that's how we approach God, and we just can't do that. And so the cares of this world can rob us from what God is doing in our life. I remember uh, in 1, Corinthians 5, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, the, the Bible says this, pray without ceasing. I remember reading that as a high school student and thinking, pray without ceasing. Whew, okay. 
What does that mean, though? Does it literally mean that you're like walking around all day being like, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God? You know, no, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that always have a heart that welcomes God's presence into whatever your situation is. Well, I'm in a business meeting right now, God. I really got to do, do some stuff. Down. But man, what if you, uh, all of them are unbelievers? All of them have, are of different faiths. You know, I work with Muslims. I work with Mormons. I work with all kind of different people, right? So they're all different faiths there. But if I walk into a meeting in my flesh, angry, upset, bitter, fussing about whatever decision was just made, which I, I can do that, right? Fussing about that. Am I going to bring the gospel in with me? No. But if I open up and I'm like, okay, God, um, I'm going to need your spirit. You know, you said in your word that through the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? If I bring that, God, bring that with me as I walk into work today. God, I'm just going to welcome your Spirit today in my life. The parts of where my flesh would want to kick up, all this stuff, that to me is praying without ceasing. Holy Spirit, I recognize your presence in my life. Speak to me and through me. So the cares of this life. The second thing that Jesus says will, will cause us to lose focus is the deceitfulness of wealth. What does that mean? It could mean a number of things, but the simplest explanation is that there are times when we think that something other than God is going to supply or sustain us. Think about it. Man, if I won the lottery, life would be so much easier. If I got this job, it would be so much easier. If I could get that dude to date me, it would be so much easier. If I could, like, if, if my wife could get a job, it would be so much easier. And so what we do is we take our source and we misapply it to something else besides God. And it can cause us, that, that's the deceitfulness of wealth, that something else out there is going to be able to sustain me. Something else out there is going to be able to su- supply me. And this can cause you and I to lose focus. And so when all of this happens, when we have a lack of understanding or we have a lack of depth or we have a lack of focus, what can happen in our lives is when we approach the things of God. When we approach the things of God, like communion, I'm not approaching it with the right heart, with the right attitude, with the right focus. And so my challenge today for you and for me is that we get Jesus back into the place where he belongs. This is the whole idea that Paul is driving home. This is the whole thought that Paul is driving home, that we put Jesus back where he belongs, in the throne of our life, and that we ask him, God, like, shape me, shape me, mold me. And we remember that God is not forgetful. We remember that he chose to remove our sins from us. We remember that Jesus is the reason that our account is now clean. And so as we approach communion with this heart, as we approach our lives with this heart, communion is no longer there. It's something that, okay, this is really for me to just be selfish about. But this reminds me where Jesus is supposed to be. This reminds me where Jesus is is supposed to be. It's all about Jesus. And so we, we, we today, as we're going to get ready and take communion, you've got the, the, uh, the, the, the pieces in front of you, and I'll teach you how to open these if you've never worked with them before. They're, they can be tricky, and they can be challenging, but we'll, we'll, we'll help you through it. But today, what my challenge to you is this. 
remind yourself of where Jesus is supposed to be. But before we do that, let's do this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give you the opportunity before we take communion Maybe you're in one of those three buckets. That Jesus talked about. And if you were honest right now, you would say, you know what, the focus of my life is not where it needs to be. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, those things have robbed me of the attention that I should be placing on Jesus. Or maybe you have a lack of depth. Maybe you're not connected with other people. Maybe you're not, you don't have a relationship with other people. And, and because of that, like you, you feel like you're all alone and you feel like that, that, that it, it, you're hanging on by a thread and just one storm coming through and you're, you're done. Or maybe it's a lack of understanding. Maybe it's, it's that the attitude of your heart, you just, you've treated the weight of the gospel lightly. Today, I want to I give us all, me included, an opportunity to repent, to confess, to say the same thing about our lives as God says them. And maybe you're in here today and you would say, man, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure where I am with God. I try to do the right things. I try to say the right things. But my relationship with him is non-existent. The Bible tells a story about a, a son that left his father. And he lived his life on his own. He made his own decisions. did the best that he could. Finally, he just got to a point where he just, his best wasn't good enough. And the son came home to the father. And the father was there waiting on him. The father embraced him. And so if that's you today and you're like, man, I've, I've tried to do this on my own. I've tried to make all the decisions. I've tried to make what's best for me. But I know that my selfishness is catching up to me. And I need a relationship with God. The Bible says that Jesus forgives our sins. They can be no longer into your account. And all you have to do is this. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's a promise. So if you're in here today and you're like, I am, I am far from God. I am far from where I need to be. But I want to come back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just lift your hand up right where you are. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're in here today and you would say, my focus isn't where it should be. 
I'm not connecting. I'm not treating the things of God with the understanding and depth that they deserve. I want to pray for you, Heavenly Father. On behalf of everyone here, Lord, we come to you and we say, that you are Lord and we glorify you. And Jesus, I know that life can get busy. Life can get hard. Some of us are doing the absolute best that we can. But some of us, God, I just know that maybe we're just distracted. Maybe our focus isn't on on you like it should be. Maybe our attention's not on you. Maybe we're not spending time with you like we should. Whatever that is, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be a church. We would be a people that has you in the right place on the throne. Give us the understanding. Give us the depth. And give us the focus to serve you, to follow you, to be your disciples. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now you can take... um, the the elements here and really there's a little thin clear plastic piece on the top you can just pull that off and it'll get to get you to the bread paul says this as he's given the instructions on to the corinthians in chapter 11 he says this for i received from the lord verse 23 what i also delivered to you that the night the that the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What I like to do is for me to remember that Jesus' body was broken. I actually do like to break the bread before I take it. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us remember the depth of sacrifice. You didn't know sin, but you became sin for us so that our accounts can be wiped clean. So that when Father God looks at us, He doesn't see our sin, He doesn't see our past, He doesn't see our mistakes, He sees the work that you did on the cross. And so Jesus, today we're thankful We're thankful for your body that was broken for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. God, we deserve death, but you gave us life. And Lord, by taking this today, we remember the work that you did for us. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread.
You can get to the, the juice portion by taking the little purple piece off. Paul continues by saying this, in the same way he also took the cup, Jesus also took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we thank you for a new covenant. Not one where we have to go through priests or we have to make sacrifices or Lord, you are our priest and you made the sacrifice. So as the Bible says, we can now boldly approach the throne of grace. So Lord, we ask in your presence right now Lord we ask you Lord just to help us in our own hearts in our own minds continue to remember the work that you did for us we love you Jesus we thank you We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, take the cup. So my challenge to you this week is that you invite the presence of God with you wherever you go. That you realize that that the Spirit of the Lord is there. You realize that God is there. He he is there to, to encourage you, to inspire you, to love you, to give you peace, to give you comfort, to give you joy. It doesn't just have to happen on Sunday morning. But I believe that God is going to empower you and use you for His glory this week.